0: Hi, and welcome to Forest of the Future, the podcast series where we talk about what is evolving in FSC and what innovations are underway in FSC. In this episode, we continue the conversation on European Deforestation Regulation, EUDR, and how FSC will pivot to help companies comply. You are listening to chapter two of two. If you have not heard chapter one, please pause and go back and listen to that first. Otherwise, I'm afraid that our conversation might be a bit difficult to follow. As in Chapter 1, I am speaking to Joanna Nowakowska, FSC's System Performance Director, Michael Maruz, FSC's Chief Information Officer, and Matteo Mascolo, Lead for EU Affairs and Engagement for Europe. All who agreed to help me get up to speed on FSC and our adjustments to EUDR. In the last episode, we covered a lot of the background, what the new rules are and how they're different to the existing legislation and why it has such an impact on FSC. In this chapter, we will get much more specific on what companies can expect from us when. Joanna, I want to return to you because the blockchain and the DIS portal, they will solve a lot of the challenges for products that only have FSC certified materials. So the things that come directly out of FSC certified forests are FSC 100% as it's called inside our system. But we also have other setups. We have mass balance systems in the credit system. We also have FSC mix where we have control wood based input that comes into our systems. How do we deal with those? Maybe we can start with the mass balance one. What is the challenge with that? This is,
1: of course, the challenge that that many stakeholders are very, very worried about, and and indeed, rightfully so. However, I I will try to make slightly controversial statement, The the principles here are actually simple. And I think that the core principles that we understood are in EU approach to mass balance are very much aligned with what we have today. The the devil is, of course, in detail. So those principles says that you can mix material as long as it was controlled. And EODR FAQ, as we understand it again, is that you can actually use mass balance, but only when you are mixing material that has been confirmed as compliant with EUDR rules with another material that also has been confirmed to be compliant with EUDR rules. It's exactly the same logic that we are applying in our system. Yes, you can mix, but you have to do some due diligence first, and you need to be sure that you can mix it in. Where the challenge lies is with topping this up with the geolocation and the whole traceability. Because, of course, in today's world, absolute majority of state, state uh, certificate holders in certification context are very much engaged in mass balance. Many of them uh, are majority of certification. Mass balance in our case is assessing whether the proportion of uncertified material, the limited portion of uncertified material that you want to use in mix product comes from acceptable sources. And today you don't have to prove it with geolocation, especially with geolocation requirements down to such a fine scale like plot of land. And this will be a challenge. So so in a way, in one sheet of paper might be composed from traces of thousands of components uh, uh, that were once a tree. And first, a huge challenge for such producers to get detailed origin data as UDIR requires Is the first one. And then even if you have geolocation and time of production data, there is so much of that data that it becomes almost useless because it may cover whole countries. And not to mention about managing this data along the way, separating which data is relevant for single supplier and for single product and so on. And that is even not all. It is not about geolocation and tracing only, it's about combination of detailed origin data. With time of prediction data, we changes here everything. It just multiplies these data points needed from UDR perspective on, on many levels. So, so it's really must, it's easier said than done to say, well, you can mix as long as you have confirmed that it is conformant. And this con- confirmation of conformance is what really creates uh, the problem here.
0: Mm-hmm. What are we trying to do to find the answers for how we'll, we'll solve that?
1: Yes, we need to adjust our standards. Yes, If we want our system to be relevant for EUDR compliance, we are going to add those geolocation and the time of production, the traceability requirements to our requirements that regulate mixed products. So, for those of you more savvy, it is controlled wood uh, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of FST system. but. In addition to that, everything that Michael has said, we hope that it will also be usable for those certificate holders that bring such material to the market, so we have also plans and considerations for making the system available for non-certified suppliers. Uh, Our certificate holder, having checked and having done due diligence, will be able to insert this data, and from that point in time, this data can travel farther. And the majority, the the greatest help that I believe in, and I am strongly advocating in this different fora, is to bring them the risk assessment that is aligned with EUDR requirements. Because if you are certificate holder or stakeholder for that matter, who is using mass balance system, who has thousands of transactions a day, In order to comply with the requirement for risk assessment, it means that you have to hire a lot of people, theoretically, Mm -hmm. with expertise to actually do risk assessment for you, for all the countries, for all the areas that you are sourcing from. And we have many years of experience in doing exactly that. Our product is already out there, but it needs to be upgraded. Our risk assessments that are existing currently for 60 countries are out there, are appreciated, as we hear. And I'm not saying that they are always easy to use, and this is something we definitely want to change, but this is a, a huge part of requirements of UDR that we can actually provide relief for we can give Mm -hmm. this product to certificate holders. And this is why one of our key activities in this whole alignment is to invest in revisions, in alignments of those risk assessments. Moreover, we are entering and we are seriously already starting collaborations with other sustainability organizations, so that we bring this product together and we avoid different products to be offered and, and probably even having different risk designations for the same area, which would be really challenging for everyone. So this is our flagship product that we want to really support, especially those stakeholders who are struggling with with mass balance, because in their case, there is a majority of burden behind those risk assessments. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And you just mentioned that we're working with other sustainability certification. And I can't help but think because we're talking about so many different commodities, we can't be the only ones who are facing this mass balance challenge. And how do we actually tackle that? What do the other organizations say when they talk to them? How are they tackling it? So, from,
1: from uh, conversations that we have been having with uh, with our colleagues in different certification schemes, they arrive at similar interpretation that the mixing is okay as long as you are mixed the right thing with another right thing. So, conformant material with conformant material. But they also mm-hmm. have equal challenges in terms of how to actually implement it and how to set practical requirements that help certificate holders, help companies to get to this data. So we are all struggling in a way. Now, we don't know all the answers as of now. On FSC side, we are planning a series of pilot tests. We are planning to engage more specifically certificate holders to surveys to understand what really would help them the most, apart from just adjusting standard, apart from having invested uh, in risk assessments and technology that
0: all should facilitate these challenges. Mm-hmm. So what, what could such a pilot consist of? I mean, uh, what are we thinking of in terms of how we could support even more?
1: So what we would like
0: to understand is is where are the key pain points
1: for for mm-hmm. our stakeholders because some of them are clearly stating that segregation for them is not possible some others say yes we we know very very well where we are sourcing from controlled wood or not controlled wood but the challenge is to bring this data together um mm-hmm. I can um, say an example that I've heard from one of our certificate holders who is representing a bigger company. The stakeholder was giving us an example that it took uh, this company 33 days to collect data that was relevant for one invoice only and this invoice material was estimated to be about three percent of regular shipment that they are dealing with it is a huge challenge in bringing this data together and here we believe our system can also offer a solution by standardizing this data by saying what data is it that is required because if we achieve that we are already really helping a lot and of course it will mean that that stakeholders will have to adjust their system but if we follow The best practice standard, the highest top edge standards for data management, we cannot be wrong about it. Even if it means Mm -hmm. that our certificate holders will have to initially adjust their system as long as we make sure that we are following really best practice. and and highest standards in terms of data management. We cannot get it wrong. And this is extremely important to have one data framework so that everybody speaks in the same language uh, in data sphere. And this data can be exchanged, can be traveled through our blockchain, through other blockchains, within our certificate holders, beyond our certificate holders. I think that is on its own already a huge step if we help to solve that.
0: What do we do? Because you said it a couple of times, we interpret what they say in the FAQ. Other certification systems also interpret what the commission has been saying to being mass balance, combining different sources will be okay. What do we do if the commission comes out and say, nope, you can't do mass balance. You have to do segregation of every single product and know exactly which geolocations are attached to which product. Do we have a plan (laughs) three?
1: Uh, the plan B is to align with that law. The plan, there is no plan B rather than comply with legislation. And that relates to all of us as individuals, as professionals, as organizations. So so we will have no other way rather to require the same if we want to offer FSC to be a solution. I personally believe that this is very unlikely and that, that intention is that really to secure that the material, the right material is being brought to the European market. So I would probably not be in the position to say what we should expect. I don't expect this scenario to happen, especially that FAQ, as we interpret it, allows that. It is more about legitimacy of this material that you are mixing and not mixing on its own. However, of course, you are right. We need to be prepared for different scenarios. And therefore, uh, thanks to Matteo and thanks to our colleagues. We are trying to be as engaged as possible, really be very careful and very open to listen to any news, being uh, completely available to participate in consultation fora, in events, in uh, in any dialogue platforms that the European Commission offers, not only to listen and to, to be prepared to act, but also to contribute and try to share our knowledge and share our experience in trying to offer some solutions, some interpretations and insights about uh, reality. And I'm sure that Matteo would like to speak uh,
0: to this as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe you would. Matteo, do you have an opinion on this as well?
2: No, absolutely. I I agree. Just want to complement Johanna's answer with one single word. Contribute definitely, contributing constructively. constructively. That's what we have been trying to do. Because the European Commission as well, they are also people. They are people that are drafting, and they've already drafted because UDR is a reality, a regulation that will impact millions of people in Europe, but possibly also other people around the world. So our goal is to share constructive feedback based on our knowledge and our experience on the ground. And that's what we've been trying to do since day one, because FSC is part of the European Commission UDR multi-stakeholder platform. We are engaging with the policymakers, also together with our actors. In this sense, we have really stayed true to our nature because as a multi-stakeholder platform on our own, we have engaged with civil society, with companies and with other actors. And we have provided uh, insights based on our system. And we hope we can still contribute constructively to the FAQ. The FAQ are being revised every couple of months. And the European Commission is also now creating this is our latest news that could be helpful for the people that are listening. Two um, working groups one on smallholders and one on traceability. We will be there. Uh, To listen and to share best practices, to share what we have in mind, and also to check about yet another important component, the interoperability, Mm -hmm. meaning that all the organizations are now coming up with different solutions. We want to create solutions that are compatible. Mm -hmm. Also, the to the other solution uh, that other companies and other organizations are creating. The UDR is a reality, but then there is the most important step, the implementation. We all need to work to make it a success. So this is not the end, actually, it's the beginning. Mm
0: -hmm. And I guess a lot what, what we're also hearing actually from the Danish competent authorities, I'm based in Denmark, and one of the things that we're hearing is year one, we'll have to figure out how we do this because we're all learning as we go and then we'll have to adapt. And I guess that's what they're also sort of signaling with these working groups that we've set a really strict legislation, we've put the bar really high. Now we have to figure out how we make it work.
2: Yes. The competent authorities, they will be also severely affected. We have not talked about the competent authorities, but for those who are listening, the competent authorities are the organization that are going to enforce the regulation. So they are a super important actor in that regard. And they will be based, the competent authorities are the authorities that are based in the different EU countries. So we will have a competent authority in Denmark, competent authority in Germany, competent authorities in France. And of course, if at the beginning of this postcard, we, we said that the UDR brings new obligation, it further enhances the UTR. That means that the competent authorities need to check even more requirements and data and information. And we need to help the competent authorities making these checks. That's what we're doing uh, at FSC. We had relationship with the UTR Competent Authorities. The UDR Competent Authorities still have to be nominated. They should be nominated soon. And what we're doing, we would like to partner up with them and basically inform them on how to correctly use FSC in a UDR compliant way, meaning making sure that FSC is not used as a green lane because that's what we don't want. Mm -hmm. We want, once again, everybody to play their own part. And other than that, uh, true, the commission has really raised the buyer uh, high, but there is also now need uh, for guidance. We are acting anyway, as Joanna said before, but there is a need for further guidance, and the commission is working on that. Just one example among many, There is also there will be soon a guidance document on how to use certification schemes. We hope we can contribute on that, too, because also we would like to raise the bar on the the requirements uh, on how to use certification schemes. There are many certification schemes that can help, but no certification schemes are the same, and we are willing to raise the bar on ourselves, too.
0: Let's just pause Joanna and Matteo again and hear what Michael thinks about how we handle supply chains with mass balance and multiple suppliers and the lack of ability to get down to the forest level origin from a tech perspective. Michael, in in many cases, supply chains will have multiple potential suppliers because everything is mixed up in mass balance systems. How does FSC blockchain solutions deal with the management of multiple suppliers in the same supply chain? Will claims be bulked, or will they be allocated to individual batches?
3: So, I mean, the FSC blockchain facilitates what companies will need to do to comply, which is account for the materials that they get in their input so that they can link them and associate them and associate the data related to them with what they're outputting. So whether a company is using the FSC blockchain or not, they will still have to, if they're part of EUDR compliance or supporting UDR compliance, they will have to start accounting for things that maybe they haven't done. So understanding that a set of inputs could come from hundreds or even a thousand sources that will have all of the data from those sources will have to be aggregated so that each output uh, material will be associated with those sources and therefore the data
0: so does that mean that it's really up to the company whether claims will be balked or whether it will be allocated to the individual batches that that will mirror the setup that the company has in their company essentially
3: we'll have to mirror the setup noting that our blockchain requires companies to link the input material that they receive with the output materials that they produce. So how they account for that, if they say this batch of paper that we're producing comes from a thousand sources, then they will need to be able to identify those thousand sources or at least allow aggregating the data from those sources so that their output can carry that data along.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Then in terms of obtaining geolocation and time of harvest for the non-certified areas that are supplying into FSC under control wood. I also just was wondering, what are we doing there? How can tech play a role? How would we get that kind of data onto the system? Because those those forest areas aren't certified. How will we know time of harvest and geolocation?
3: Well, I mean, so in an FSC certified supply chain, if it- at the source the, the certified company is sourcing controlled wood materials they will need to gather this information from the forest that they're sourcing from and that means geolocation time of harvest they will also have to identify what are the the species and product types that are being sourced however i mean what technology and i think the fsc blockchain will need to do is especially in supporting compliance with the UDR, allow those companies to gather that information or facilitate gathering that information from their uh, controlled wood trading partner. So that would mean the company itself that is doing the sourcing, the FSC certified company, would be able to share or invite that company to provide information regarding the inputs that, that the company is receiving in controlled wood.
0: Is this something that we know specifically is that, that this will be the way that we're going to deal with it, that, that the companies can just invite their supply chain in?
3: This is what the technology could do. This is something that we're working on right now. In order to, to support companies in, in showing compliance, they will need to gather this information. From my perspective, the most viable way is for those companies that are sourcing to allow them to invite their source providers to provide the information directly. It could also be that we, we allow them to just upload the appropriate data and claim it, but it comes directly from the source. That already provides a more immutable claim of the information. So you, you have it coming from the company who is making the claim and not sort of word of mouth or some type of other way of, of uh, gathering the data this could be the solution. Again, Mm -hmm. you know, we're trying to find the most viable way to support FSC certified companies in in demonstrating compliance. And these are the kinds of things that are currently on the table that we will have to figure out.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's still a lot of work to do, I guess, over the next six months.
3: There's a lot of work to do. A lot.
0: Okay. That was a lot of tech info and what we'll be doing next. Let's return back to Mateo and a question of where this leaves companies outside of Europe and the risk that they just decide not to export into Europe anymore.
2: This is a risk that has been analyzed. In jargon, it's called the leakage effect. So basically, there are too many requirements and companies may start exporting uh, in other countries in order not to face the consequence. And once again, the Commission has no power to impose obligation on their country, nor has any power to nudge trade flows. But what the Commission and the European Union is doing is using the EU market as a leverage in order to nudge the rest of the world. And we have been focusing so far on the demand side measures. So the due diligence, these obligations are demand side. But what the commission is doing is also working on supply side measures. So the commission is setting also partnerships with other countries in order to start the cooperation and really make sure that the smallholders and all the actors in these countries are empowered so that we are really on board with them. So we don't make sure that they let fell feel as the, the European Union is impose, imposing its own way of addressing this issue, but really to make sure that our partnerships, and in this case with the Great Forest, the Commission is working on forest partnerships. So let's say, if you want to quote, that the leakage effect is counterbalanced by the so-called Brussels effect. The Brussels effect is basically essentially Commission that wants, the European Union wants to have leadership on regulatory matters. And the other countries don't have, of course, to copy-paste the solution, but given that we need to act, we need someone that acts, and the other one can copy-paste at least part of this idea so that we can all work together in order to address seriously deforestation globally. And in order to do that, we also need other big markets. Definitely we need China, we need the United States, And we need to be all on board with this.
0: Mm -hmm. What is the likelihood that China and the United States will jump on board with this and copy-paste?
2: That depends also on um, the political environment. So it will also depend on the elections. So this is, uh, I will say, uh, rather unpredictable, imp- And that's precisely why the Commission has not focused their efforts on, on this. Mm-hmm. They focus on their the efforts on obligation, if you want to place these products or export these products from the EU market. So just a way in order to nudge other actors, to force them to act in a conscious and sustainable way. That's it.
1: And also, Mm -hmm. if I may jump in here, Loa and Matteo, we actually will be looking at the draft, other legislations that may may be affecting us. We want to do it still before publishing the final framework. Understanding that even though the numbers may say that only part of our certificate holders are directly affected or based in the European Union, of course, because of complexity of supply chains, many more other certificate holders in other parts of the world are actually indirectly affected by that. So, so quite a proportion of our system is in question here in terms of alignment and, uh, and the direct or indirect impact. So we are also looking at other countries and trying to at least stay in the know of what is being developed there.
2: Mm. Definitely. If I can, can complement that, the UDR, it's only the beginning. It's only one regulation, but we're looking at okay. other regulation in Europe and globally too. Because in the past, if you want, FSC has worked in a vacuum. So we are actually, FSC is the result of governmental inaction on forestry legislation. We were bored because in 1992 governments failed to act and to find an agreement on forestry. But now what we're witnessing with the Green Deal, there would be more and more forest legislative initiatives. This is starting in Europe, but there are many others globally. And what we're doing we're trying to basically see if there is a major if there are major trends because we cannot always stretch and shrink our system every time there is a regulation, but we want to basically change our standards and system in a strategic way. But definitely our way is not only to change our system according to European initiatives, but also to check a relevant initiative in the rest of the world as well.
0: Okay, so it sounds like there's more than enough for our certificate holders to stay updated on, both in terms of what's going on on the legislative side, what is FSC doing, what do I have to do as a certificate holder, and so forth. How do they stay updated?
1: Where do they go? Yes of course loan this is the engagement is fundamental part of all our activities from from day one about this regulation, especially given uh, certain uncertainties and and, uh, perhaps different interpretations. So we have established an email box, uh, udr.fsc.org, which is used as our main channel for asking questions and asked and distributing those questions to different teams and getting responses to stakeholders. But but apart from that, we're also planning dedicated engagement uh, with certificate holders on our module in which we'll identify a target group with the support directly from our board of directors. And this group will be key for collecting more information on the user experience with this module uh, and its features. So we estimate that it will consist of several dozens of certificate holders, perhaps for surveying, for asking for more information. And we still plan to establish such a group in December or do the first reach out. And additionally, we also see engagement in performing specific case studies with a narrower group of certificate holders to even go to to more details. And needless to say, we aim that the group is, as diverse across geographies and supply chain types as possible within the time that we have. And of course, I mentioned also public consultation, because while we understand that the greatest Immediate impact is on our certificate holders. they are representing economic chamber within FSC governance system. We also have equally important social and environmental stakeholders that must be presented with opportunity to comment on those changes and also support them. Otherwise, we are not uh, having the mandate to move on and introduce it. So this public consultation and other foremost engagement, of course will have to equally provide opportunities for engaging with these other stakeholder groups.
0: Mm-hmm. So I guess what you're saying is stay tuned on FSC.org and all of our other channels in this podcast, I assume as well, to learn more about the next engagement point. And if you have a burning question, use the mailbox if you can't find it in our FAQ that's already on our website, etc. Yes. Good. Can we just lift our heads a bit over the workload that's immediately ahead of all three of us, and have a short conversation about what hopefully all of this will lead to. Matteo, can you go into helicopter view for a second? There's a lot of legislation coming up. As you mentioned, this is just the beginning. There's a lot of new rules. If you look three, five years ahead, what do you hope is the effect of this legislation inside and outside of Europe?
2: The whole purpose of the European Green Deal. So we didn't have time to speak about other relevant uh, European initiatives like corporate sustainability due diligence, green claims. But what European Union, if I have to look at, the purpose would be essentially to reduce greenhouse gases emissions. So it's not about the single effect of the individual initiatives, but it's more about the combined effect. So in a nutshell, what European Union is trying to do And that's what we hope as well, and that's what we would like to contribute to, is essentially to make sure that these initiatives are successful, and to be successful, they need to achieve their own objectives, which is reducing greenhouse gas emissions, making sure the European Union becomes the first climate neutral continent. And if I break down these objectives, what, what the European Union is doing is to make sure that companies are responsible for their own wrongdoing, whilst at the same time empowering consumers making sure that consumers don't really have a choice. They have already, that's what the purpose of the duty They don't have to choose between products that are deforestation-free or not, but already in the market, they only will find deforestation-free products. That's the whole purpose. And that's what FSC is hoping for, because what we want to do and what we believe in is that Mandatory initiatives like this legislation and voluntary one, they're not mutually exclusive, but they're actually mutually supportive. So they further complement each other in order to achieve these goals. And the goal of the UDR in the other legislation are actually the same goal of FSE. So they're mutually supportive, and that's what we want to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Joanna, where do you hope that these changes will bring us from a standards and performance perspective and perhaps also from a perspective that's larger than just FSC in our own roles?
1: Um, I love this question, La, because while undergoing this massive alignment process, the impact and the opportunity, our lead keywords uh, in this undertaking. So I like to think about this kind of challenges as either the worst thing that can happen or the best thing that can happen. And we are going to, for making this UDR alignment, the best thing that can happen for FST. And Matteo already very well explained that, that our goals are actually mutually reinforcing and complementing each other. So we can actually use UDR as a vehicle also to strengthen FST, to align it and then, then advance on our mission. Also, first, we are accelerating from the standard uh, perspective specifically. First, we are accelerating as never before in making our fundamental policies work on the ground. Second, we can be part of the solution for a historic regulation that will change the world. And I am personally quite convinced about that. And third, we can create substantial impact beyond our certification through delivering comprehensive risk assessments and even more, doing it together with other reputable partners and taking the responsibility for providing uniform and credible risk information that can be then used across commodities and outside of certification. This is something that that we really are good at doing and engaging people, providing such products, and they are now becoming very, very important uh, and very resource consuming for stakeholders we can be solution here, definitely. So finally, the regulation will bring attention to forest and then naturally the challenges that forests are facing. And we are all about the forest at the end. So let's work together on making it
0: work. Okay, so that was Mateo and Joanna. And of course, Michael should also have the opportunity to answer the big dream questions. So take it away, Michael.
3: My hope is that it will do something that we've already seen what, you know, companies already have to do to comply with legislation, both in the EU or the US or even South America or Australia, that they have to prove about the origin and the credibility of the source materials that they have. And I think that you know, this is a push to, to gather that kind of data and to demonstrate it with something that is immutable and comes directly from the sources that are gathering the information so what i hope in the next three to five years is that all companies will come on board with this because they will see value in in being a part of verified supply chains and being able to show compliance not only in the eu but in in other uh, parts of the world as well
0: and with that I ended my conversation with Matteo, Michael, and Joanna. Thank you to all three of them for answering my many questions. There's no doubt that the world is pivoting towards more data-driven societies and that we as FSC must pivot with it. But from where I sit, that isn't a bad thing, because with legislations like EUDR, there's no excuse anymore for not knowing where your raw materials come from and whether there's still a healthy forest once you've produced it, regardless of whether your product is certified or not. Let's hope that other regions in the world implement similar requirements, and let's hope that companies use legislations like EUDR and the many others coming up as a springboard towards using all of these new data points to improve the sustainability profile of their products. Remember to subscribe to Forest of the Future if you want to get notified about new episodes where we dive into other innovations within FSC and the world of certification and sustainable forest management. You can also always get in touch with me on podcast at fsc.org. I am Laura Worm, and this was Forest for the Future.